comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs and one. Cal up top. Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. And he popped it deep. He was banging. Well, Watson and a foul. This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. What is up, Aztec fans? Welcome to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. My name is Trone. I'll be the host. I'm not joined by anybody today. Odds are, maybe with one or two exceptions, I'm probably going to be riding solo for the rest of the season, partly because there isn't or there aren't many um, other people, you know, that that do podcasts and stuff within the conference. And more so because of just time constraints and schedule difficulties and and things like that. I honestly, I don't know if I have the time to be doing this right now, but I'm going to make it work. And if I lose some sleep over it, having to catch up on work stuff, it's, it's okay. Cause I like, I like doing this stuff. Um, thank you very much for listening. Remember quick reminder, like subscribe, follow whatever the button says on whatever platform you're listening to do that. Five-star reviews are awesome. You can go to anchor.fm slash Aztec Breakdown to uh, donate money to the podcast. Send in those voice messages. I haven't had one in a while. Uh, I think they're cool. And it's just a way to, a better way to introduce and segue into other topics that you guys want to hear about rather than me coming up with everything because you might not care about the things I come up with. I don't know. So do that. Um, I also have a a subscriber patron on Patreon. I don't know what the word is, but I got a guy on Patreon. So that's awesome. Thank you to you. I'm not going to, um, out anybody. It's not like a secret. I just, you know, I mean, you guys can figure it out, but, uh, thank you so much. I honestly, I don't know if I've even gotten any money from it yet. Uh, cause it's just a dollar a month and I haven't, I know I have a subscriber on it, but I haven't checked. I don't like even know how to, uh, get that money into my bank account or whatever. It's not a big deal. It's, it's more so like the, uh, just the act of it. Like somebody thinks what I'm doing is worth that much that they'll give me a dollar a month. So thank you very much for that. Let's, let's get into it. Let's get into our topics for this week. I got a lot of them. I'm going to try and do more of a speed round. Actually, let's not kid ourselves. I'm not going to do that. Let's just get into it. So the first thing I wanted to do, and this one is is the most Im- important one, I I wanted to just take a step back. This is in large part for me. This is something I did this week because we had the bye week, so there was only one game this week. But I wanted to take a step back and just get some perspective on the season, both good and bad. And first off, we beat Air Force, and so we're now 24-0, and 0, I believe is the record. And it's nice to just take a step back and be like, wow, this is happening. This is real. Last undefeated team in the country. 24 straight wins. Longest win streak in program history. Best start in program history. After the whole offseason of saying they're going to need to start well, you know, they need to start fast and not drop any, any bad games at the beginning of the season. And they haven't dropped any bad games through the first 24 games, 
I don't think there's a quad four game left on their schedule, except for maybe in the Mountain West tournament, depending on who that that first round matchup is. There might be a quad four game there in just that first game. But, you know, they they essentially they haven't dropped a bad game all season and they won't. You know, looking at their schedule, you got New Mexico coming up this week at home. That's probably – I don't have the net scores in front of me because the net is just organized poorly. But that's – at home, it's probably a quad three game. You got Boise State's a high-level quad two game. UNLV at home, that's probably a quad three game. Colorado State at home uh, might be a quad two game. I think they're at about 100 in the net. No, so that would be like a quad three game if it's 100 at home. Um, And then Nevada on the road, which is a high-level quad two game. You, You obviously don't want to drop a quad three game, but it's not as killer as dropping a quad four game, right? And so in terms of there's no more quad four games they can lose on their schedule. And so it's just, I don't know, it's really nice to take a step back and and appreciate that game by game. I'm definitely somebody who likes to look ahead, not just within the season, but to following seasons as well, right? So I'll catch myself looking ahead. You know, we got five more games left in the regular season plus hopefully three in the Mountain West Tournament. And I'm already looking ahead, as many of us are, to potential Sweet 16 appearance, potential Elite Eight appearance, potential Final Four appearance, right? Can we play for long enough to get Nathan back? All these things. And I have to remind myself, and I got a a friend who's a big-time fan of the program who who tells me sometimes, he's like, just one game at a time. You know, just enjoy every game for what it's worth. So that's nice. I also wanted to point out I I mean I don't want to be a downer or anything but this I mean this could make it even more impressive but how close we were to this not happening you know and there's there's one game in particular but it could have been any any number of games but the the difference between San Diego State right now being projected as the final one seed which was released on Saturday, I think, on CBS when they released their top 16 teams for the for the bracket. Being a projected one seed, the difference between that and and not being that, you know, probably still a, a top four seed, but definitely not a one seed. The difference is three points. That's that's all it is. You know, if if three points aren't aren't scored during the season then we're not talking about the last undefeated team in the nation. We're not talking about the record. We're not talking about the hottest start in program history. We're not talking about any of that stuff, right? And and all of a sudden, these things that opposing fans are saying about, not so much that you haven't played anybody, but I don't know, just the strength of schedule in general, like it all goes out the window because everybody can say you lost to San Jose State, which is a sub- 200 borderline sub 300 team um, in terms of ranking, not, not record, although record probably counts too. But uh, in terms of ranking and it's just, that's, that's how close it is this year. And that 
if if that game had been lost, the net would definitely be different. We wouldn't be number one in the net. Ken Palm wouldn't be much different. The defense, the defensive score would be exactly the same because it, it just came down to that last shot from Malachi Flynn, that last three pointer. The offensive numbers would be slightly different. So, I mean, I mean, maybe instead of I think they're four in Ken Palm right now. Maybe instead of four, they're five or six. So the metrics would still be great, but that would just be what everybody would be pointing out is that we lost to San Jose State. And I I personally like to have that perspective. Um, it just – it keeps me grounded. It's one of the things I just I, – I try to remember because for me it makes the season that much more special, right? Malachi Flynn coming up big in that game and, and in every game pretty much somebody's come up big. And uh, I don't know. It just – it – even though it was that close to a loss, it makes me feel that much more confident that this team can do something special. That might seem kind of counterintuitive, and maybe that's a little bit of a uh, Homer bias type of deal. But um, I don't know. It is it is what it is with that one. I just wanted to rant on that for a minute. A couple other things I wanted to follow up on what I was saying about the AP poll last week really briefly. There was a guy on Facebook. He's not a bad guy. He's not a mean guy. I'm not going to out him. I don't know if you guys are members of the Facebook group or not, but he was very adamant on Facebook that the AP poll means, means absolutely nothing in terms of seeding, right? For the, for the big tournament. And it's just a beauty contest. And in a lot of ways, it essentially is a beauty contest. Um, he was saying that, you know, the the results of the AP poll aren't on the team sheets. When when the committee gets together, the 10 people there, they get sheets for every team. If you want to see, you can look at the actual sheets themselves on a website, but it's it's kind of nasty to go through. The the best place to go is warrennolan.com, W-A-R-R-O-N-N-O-L-A-N.com, Warren Nolan. And he has team sheets separated both by RPI and the net. You just, you want to go to the net team sheet and you can see essentially what the sheet looks like for your team. And it just shows the rankings and the different metrics and it shows their, their wins divided by quads and the strength of schedule and all this stuff. And the AP poll isn't on there. And his point was just that it means nothing. Right. And I, I don't, I don't know how much of this is, like just based on like confidence levels in myself in general. I don't know how much of this is just always trying to stay, take a step back and see things in a bigger picture. But anytime somebody's super adamant about something, I'm like, Whoa, let's like, if they're a hundred percent confident of something, like I, I need to take a step back. I'm like, Whoa, let's, let's back up and see, see what's really going on here. Not because they might be wrong, but just, I, I don't know, something about them being that confident about what they're saying uh, makes me ner- nervous, I guess. I, I don't know how to I- explain the feelings, but the point is, you know, I was just there and I didn't say anything. Um, I I definitely try, especially on Twitter, but also when I'm on Facebook to a lot of times just let people say what they're going to say. If I think I can say something in a respectful way that is 
you know, disagreeing, but maybe just bringing up a different point of view. Oftentimes I will do that. If somebody's just being a total clown, I might, I might say something, but for the most part, I just, you know, I want to be respectful and try to present things in a way that says somebody can have a different opinion and that's, that's okay. And occasionally it's not even my opinion. And I try to make that clear. If I'm on Twitter, I'll say, I don't, I don't believe this, but like people can, and it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility, you know, two reasonable people can have different opinions. Like it's, it's definitely possible. Anyways, the point is he said the AP poll means nothing. It's all about the net, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't respond, but I did do a quick little uh, research, quick little study. And I found over the past five seasons, comparing the AP poll to uh, whatever metric was being used. So for four of those seasons, I think it was four, it was the RPI. And for last season, it was the net. That kind of skews the numbers a little bit. But either way, those are the numbers the committee should be using. The AP poll, the top four teams made the top four number one seeds in the bracket, uh, what was it, 90% of the time in the AP poll. Whereas the top four ranked teams in the metric, whether it was the RPI or the net, made the top four teams 70% of the time. And so what this tells me is that the AP poll, kind of like I was saying, I don't know if I actually said this this last week, but it was kind of the point I was trying to get to at least is the AP poll is indicative of what people think, right? The net is just a tool. The committee doesn't take the net and say, okay, this is this team's ranked number one, so they get the number one overall seed. This team's ranked number two, they get the number two overall seed. That's not what happens. They use it as a tool to help inform their decisions, but it's still done by people. And so these people's uh, inclinations and biases and preference, preferences are going to leak in. There's no way to not do that. And so if they see a team in the top five of the AP poll all season, that team's going to get a really high seed regardless of what their ranking is in the net. Similarly, at the time the top 16 teams were released, Arizona was ranked eight in the net. So they should be a two seed, maybe a three seed, right? If you're following the net, they weren't in the top 16. I think they weren't even in the top 20. They weren't in the next four out. And so, and, and, compare that to the AP poll, I think they were 23 at the time. So it makes sense according to the AP poll that they weren't 20. This is what I'm talking about, right? Is that the AP poll is indicative of how people feel and people decide the rankings for the tournament, right? And so that's why the AP poll is important. In addition to the other stuff I brought up, like possible recruiting and just program prestige and things like that, in terms of the here and now, it definitely is important. It is absolutely a beauty contest, right? Absolutely. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying because it's indicative of people, it is important. And then to this guy's credit, he came out later. He didn't say like, okay, well, I was, I was wrong, but he, he said that, uh, the net isn't really being used the way we've been told it's supposed to be used. Um, I, I don't know if I can comment on that specifically. He said it's it's been used well as a grouping tool, but it seems like he was kind of under the impression that it should be really close to if you're one in the net, you get the first overall seed. If you're two in the net, you get 
the second or maybe the third overall seed, you know, something like that. He seems, he seems to believe that it was supposed to be really close and that's not always going to be the case. Will it be the case sometimes? Sure. But it's not always going to be the case. Um, so he did kind of, kind of back down a little bit and that's not me trying to say like I was right or anything. Cause he, uh, I didn't say anything to him, but it's, it's just meant to reinforce the point that, you know, even he came back and started to agree a little bit. So there's that moving on a couple things also on Facebook, somebody mentioned this is, I mean, this is kind of, I don't even know if I should talk about this cause it's kind of way in the future, but somebody mentioned really quickly if, if Nathan Mensa comes back, if, if he gets healthy fast enough and if the team makes it deep enough into the tournament that he can come back, he should he should definitely start. There's talk amongst fans about how many minutes he should get. I think it's important to say that his conditioning shouldn't be that bad. You know, it's he's he's been practicing, he can do he can run and he can do drills and stuff. The only thing he can't do is contact, right? So people are saying, you know, if we even get 10 minutes a game from him. That's great. I think 10 minutes is pretty low, right? He would be rusty when he comes back, but his conditioning shouldn't be that much off, right? It would be more of getting used to game speed type thing. But that wasn't the point. The point was if Nathan comes back and he's starting, first off, should he start? I think yes. Second off, who should be removed from the starting lineup? And one person said Matt Mitchell should take Jordan Shackle's spot because Jordan Shackle has cooled off. I haven't been posting like my heat tracker data or anything. Maybe I'll, I'll send a link to it. I haven't been keeping track of a lot of the self-tracked things this, this season because I have found places that do similar things, not exactly the way I would want them, but I found like other websites that do similar things that replicate what I was doing by myself close enough. And it just saves me time. Some of them do cost money, but I try to share that with you guys as much as I can. But so I haven't been doing that as much, but I updated the heat tracker, which is just I take the shooting percentages over the last 10 games and average them, right? And so you can see kind of over the last 10 games how well the player has been shooting. And Jordan Shackles have been about at 40%. They've been fluctuating between about 37 and 42 over the course of the season, pretty much over any 10 game sample. So he hasn't really cooled down and 37 is still really good when the national average is at about 33. So that's just to say, to refute the point, he hasn't really cooled down, right? He's, he's been pretty consistent. I think it is fair to say he's gotten a little bit streaky, And to this person's credit, that was before the Air Force game where he went off for, what was it, 17 or 18 points. I do think Jordan Shackle's gotten a little bit streaky, but if you look at the value his shooting provides, even without him making shots, it's still there because people have to chase him off of screens. He's still providing a lot of gravity because even when he's missing, he's taking volume a lot of the time. And so people have to close out on him hard. He's gotten a lot better at... Uh, driving the lane off of off of catches, so he you know catch up fake drive the lane, and he's gotten a lot a lot better scoring there too. You know he he drove the lane some last year, but this year he's added the actual score to those drives, which has been great. And so 
I think it's worth keeping Jordan Shackle in over Matt Mitchell. The other reason is Matt Mitchell, I would argue, is a better overall player and brings more to the table, but I think it does more. He he replicates closer what other players in the starting lineup do as opposed to Jordan Shackle, who's more unique. And so I think Jordan Shackle adds more value to the starting lineup because he does things that few others can do. For example, shooting off of screens or handoffs. Malachi Flynn can do that. KJ has been getting hot, but from what I've seen, which taking a step back hasn't been much, I missed most of the New Mexico game and I missed all of the Air Force game. And I was at the Utah State game. Um, so I didn't get to see it on on tape, but seems like with KJ being hot and averaging 18 points over the last three games, most of his threes have been spot up step in type threes. They haven't been coming off of screens. So he might be able to do that. I haven't seen it a lot this season, but Malachi can come off of screens. Jordan can come off of screens. Mitchell, he seems more like a spot up guy too. I don't know if he can come off of screens or handoffs very well to hit shots. The point being, I'm kind of rambling, but the point is, I think Matt Mitchell, what he would bring off the bench, he can still get a lot of minutes, right? And especially come tournament time when you're shortening your rotations, you can you can get him the same type of minutes, just with you know slightly different lineups maybe, but he just provides more of an overall package that I think benefits more coming off of the bench, right? So whether you're taking out Malachi or Jordan or Yanni or Nathan or KJ, whoever, right? Like he can better replicate what any of those guys do as opposed to Jordan Shackle, who would come in and not be able to replicate what those guys do. And it would kind of throw off the rhythm, I guess. I I don't know. I feel like I'm not explaining it very well, but the overall conclusion is if Nathan comes back and he should only come back if he's hundred percent healthy and it's not going to be a threat to his career or his life, I want to get out that the way, but if Nathan comes back, he should start and Jordan should also start in my opinion and bring Matt Mitchell off the bench. The last thing before we go to break, I saw this week a mock draft that had Malachi Flynn in it. He went in the second round, like 42nd or 48th pick. I think it was somewhere in the 40s. And I'm not going to lie, it kind of worried me a little bit. Um, it's, it's awesome, first off, that he's getting that attention. I think it's deserved. I, I come into these seasons a lot of the time, and I just think, why don't some of these players get more attention in terms of the draft than they do. And a lot of that is just being a homer and not seeing all the other players that are also getting the attention, right? But even even going back to to not this year, take last year for example, I I really wondered why a guy like Devin Watson wasn't getting any draft attention if only based on his shooting. Like he was a great shooter off the dribble, spotting up, coming off of screens. He could shoot all those things and shooting is super valuable in the NBA. There's obviously other things too. And that's probably why he didn't get the same attention. You know, he wasn't great on defense. He was small, things like that. So there's other issues, but Malachi Flynn, even more so was a guy that coming into the season, I was like, why isn't he getting any attention? 
And as he was blowing up early in the season, I was like, why isn't he getting any attention? Now he's starting to get some attention. So that's awesome. He definitely deserves it. I do think I'm definitely like a player's guy and a player's rights guy. And so if somebody's telling him that they'll take him, and especially if it's in the first round, he should go. You know, that that's what I think at least. Um, it gets It gets tough because I don't think anybody would take him in the first round. And at a certain point, you have to make that distinction like Jalen McDaniels made last season about, is it worth it if I get taken in the second round? Uh, Jalen said it was, and I think it's worked out well for him. And, and the people who say uh, somebody should stay in school to improve their game before they, before they turn pro, it kind of cracks me up because if you're going to get drafted, the team does have some, investment in you if they draft you right so it's not necessarily easy to get cut even as a second round pick you'll still likely get at least a year in the g league right so if you compare that g league year to another year in school and how much improvement you can do you're going to do way better in the g league because all you have to do is work out and play ball whereas in college you have classes you have other things right on top of playing ball and so it's a lot harder to get better. And then there's also the risk of if in the eyes of the scouts, you don't get better, your draft stock is going to fall because they want to see improvement every year. And so I, I, I mean, there's, there's that, I guess to wrap it up, I think I want Malachi to stay obviously as a fan, I want him to stay, I don't think it would be necessarily in his best interest to get drafted that. I mean, it'll depend on what the scouts tell him. I think he should definitely declare for the draft and do that process where they now allow players to declare for the draft, work out for teams, get some feedback, and then they have a certain amount of time to pull their name out. I think he should do that and get that feedback. Cause you know, he wants to go pro like, you know, you know, it's a thing. I think he should do that if teams are telling him they really like him, then I think he should go. I I don't think that's necessarily what's going to happen. I think teams will tell him they like him, but I would doubt anybody would give him any guarantees. And especially if it's a team that's drafting late in the second round, you know, a team can tell you we're definitely going to take you and then somebody else falls that they weren't expecting and it's their pick and they said they were going to take you, but this person fell that they had above you. So they ended up taking that person instead. I think that's part of the reason why so many players this year, there there was something like 80 players or something that left and didn't get drafted. Right. And, and there's a lot of discussion about that's why college basketball in terms of the the level of teams right and, and the whole narrative about there aren't any great teams that's why that's happening is because all these really good players left in the hopes of getting drafted and they can't come back um anyways I, I i don't know i wanted to put that on people's radar he's being looked at by scouts and there's a chance he gets drafted if if i had to make a prediction i don't think it happens and I think he comes back for his senior year. And as a fan, I hope that happens. But 
I respect him making the best choice for him. And if he does get drafted, awesome. Like congrats. And uh, there's that's, you know, that's that. That's all I have for this. Let's take a quick break and then let's look at the upcoming games. Welcome back. The last thing I want to talk about, I wasn't originally going to talk about this, but it's actually been a couple hours since I uh, recorded the other segment and I thought of it during the day. I wanted to talk briefly about the one seed in the West versus the one seed in the East versus the two seed in the West. And I think here's where I'm at with it. Ideally, San Diego State is in the West, right? And that's that's what Coach Dutcher said, and I, you know, have no reason to to argue with that. You know, Dutch said anywhere in the West is where he wants to be. He doesn't care what the seat is; he just wants to be in the West. Regardless of what what region they're in, the Aztecs will play their first two games in Sacramento, and so in terms of Aztec fans being able to show up, you know, they should be able to get probably, I would imagine a couple thousand would be able to get to Sacramento somewhere in that range, which would be enough, especially if they are a one seed, even if it's in the East, they'll be playing against, you know, a 16 seed that's not going to travel well. And then after that, an eight or a nine seed, which could travel, but it gets tricky because just, you know, how many people are going to want to buy tickets and be able to travel there that late? It, I don't know. Anyway, so a couple thousand people in Sacramento should be good. The reason you want the West is to play in Staples Center for a potential Sweet 16 and Elite 8 game. And I wasn't always aware that um, this is how it was going to work. I, I, for a while was under the impression that the number one seed in the West was definitely going to play in Spokane. Um, later found out that that was just because Gonzaga was projected as the number one seed in the West. So San Diego state, no matter where it's the one seed at, will play in Sacramento. So that's great. If they head East and they make it that far, it's all, it's all big ifs because they need to make it that far. And in the tournament, nothing is a given. We saw, what was it, two years ago, Virginia lost as a one seed. They lost to a 16 seed. So nothing is guaranteed in this tournament, and that's part of what makes it so great. If they make it that far, if they're the one seed in the East, they will play the next game, possibly two games, at Madison Square Garden. And the reason people are worried about that is because if they manage to make it to the Elite Eight, they will likely be playing against Duke, who travels really well to Madison Square Garden. As opposed to, if you're the one seed in the West, you get to play Sweet 16, possible Elite 8 game at Staples Center, which would be basically a home game. Like You know Aztec fans are going to travel to Staples Center for that game. That sucker's going to be sold out with Aztec fans cheering their, their brains off. So... Ideally, you want the West. That being said, the place I'm kind of at right now is just 
win games and let the chips fall where they may. I, for a little while, I was kind of about like, how can we finagle the process to get in the West? Do we need to win out? Do we need to lose a game to maybe drop to the second seed? What, you know, what do we do? And it just, it got really complicated. You know, there's, I think there's, I was talking about this on Twitter the other day and, uh, the, the guy I was talking with was very I – don't, I don't know his name and I know the Twitter handle, but I'm not going to say it um, just out of respect. He was very adamant that if Duke wins out, there's still no chance that they jump San Diego State. I wasn't as adamant. It like push comes to shove. I would agree with him that if San Diego State wins out and Duke wins out, Duke wouldn't jump San Diego State. But I just – I wasn't as convinced as he was. I, I think there would be – a discussion there among, among the committee. But so there was that option of whether if Duke wins out, could they jump San Diego state and be that last one seed? And then San Diego state would just drop to a two naturally. There's can San Diego state win out and have Gonzaga lose a game or two and have be able to jump Gonzaga that way. Honestly, I don't know if Gonzaga losing a game would be enough, especially if they lose say on the road at BYU, like that's a high level quad one game at that point. It's not going to hurt your resume that much. And so I don't, I don't know if that's enough to do it. And then, and then the other option being, you know, lose a game, hopefully maybe in the, in the mountain West tournament against Utah state, if it gets that way. But that's what I'm saying. Like there's just too many ifs and, and too many unknowns. And you're kind of hoping if this thing happens, then this thing happens, but there's no telling that even if the first thing happens, that it works out the way you want it to. And so kind of, I think where I'm at is just win, win out for the rest of the season, right? Win all the regular season games, win the mountain West conference games, or Mountain West tournament games and, and just kind of let the chips fall, right. And just enjoy the season for what it is. If the Aztecs get the one seed in the East, so be it. And, uh, you know, Aztecs fans won't be able to travel as easily. And that's, that's fine. It's, it's not shaming anybody or whatever, but you know, if that's the case, just go in, go in with that road mentality and saying that, you know, you're going to go into somebody else's gym, which I mean, you're doing anyways, but it's a little bit different if the gym is in California, but you know, go in and say, you're going to send these people home, you know, and, and there would be, there would be value to that, to being able to go to Madison square garden and beating a Duke or a Seton hall or whoever. Uh, it's, it wouldn't be as easy as playing at Staples definitely. And then, you know, if you happen to make it that far to the final four, I think it's in like Indianapolis or somewhere. So you'd have to fly back across the country after the elite eight and then fly back again for the final four. So there'd be a lot of travel. It's not ideal. I guess here's where I'm at. I'm hoping that everything works out that they get a one seat in the West but I'm not going to worry about what has to happen for that to happen because it's too many what ifs and uh, and and different things. There was a guy earlier I I saw was saying that 
if San Diego State wins out, they'll surpass Gonzaga, even if Gonzaga wins out as well. And I, I don't think that's the case because Gonzaga, if they win out, will have probably four, if not five, more quad one wins than they already have. And what they already have right now, or sorry, they'll have three or four more than what they already have. And what they already have is one more quad one win than the Aztecs have. The Aztecs are one spot ahead in the net, but it seems like the committee is looking at those wins rather than the overall ranking. So if Gonzaga goes in eight and one in quad one games and San Diego state's four and oh, I, I have no reason, even if San Diego state's undefeated, I have no reason to believe that they would let San Diego state jump Gonzaga in that case. So I, I don't know. It's, I'm not going to spend a lot of time worrying about it. Just win games and whatever happens, happens. And we're going to be rooting the same nonetheless. So there's that. With that out of the way, hopefully that wasn't too, it was kind of stream of consciousness. I apologize. I get really ADD, but hopefully that made sense. In terms of game previews, I mean, these are both teams coming up that, that we've seen before. We got New Mexico in Viejas on Tuesday. As far as I know, they should have their players back. So when we played them in the pit, they were missing like four starters or maybe it was just four rotation players, whatever it was, they weren't at full strength. And and at this point, nobody's at full strength, but there's a difference between, you know, if our, our team would look a lot different if we weren't just missing Nathan Mensa, but if we were also missing Malachi Flynn and Trey Pulliam, and Agueca Rope and Matt Mitchell, right? That team looks a lot different than just missing Nathan Mensa. So I don't think it'll be as big of a blowout as it was in their arena, and that's fine. Ken Palm has the Aztecs as a 19-point favorite with a 96% chance to win. That's probably fair. I I don't know. But... um. The big thing is just that they're going to be closer to fuller strength. Hopefully it'll be a more fun game to watch. Cause even when you're winning, when you're blowing a team out by like 40, it gets kind of boring, at least for me. Um, so it's a little more fun to watch. I will be excited to see Jaquan Lyle because I did a couple of those pieces for mountain West wire and I had like the best players in the conference and Jaquan Lyle wasn't in it. And some people were like, this list is garbage because Jaquan Lyle isn't in it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I haven't seen him. You might very well be right. I don't know. I haven't seen him play, but this is what the numbers say, you know? So I'm excited for that, but there's New Mexico. And then after that on Sunday, the Aztecs travel to Boise to play Boise state. That will likely be a rough game, right? Boise's up in the mountains. It's at elevation. It's not as high as Wyoming or Air Force, but they're also a better team than Wyoming and Air Force are. So you got that going for you or or against you rather. And they also have, I believe, so they have Justinian Jessup, who I believe became the all-time conference leader in three-point makes in a career, I think, is the record he got few games ago so they have some talent on that team as well and that's just you know Justinian Jessup they still have Derek Alston on top of that and they have one other guy I'm trying to pull up his name 
RJ Williams is the other guy I was thinking of. So they have some talent between Austin, between Williams, between Justinian and Jessup. Boise State has some talent playing on the road. They'll be hungry for that win. Everybody's going to be hungry for the win. That's what Dutch keeps telling them. So not much in the way of game previews. Follow me on Twitter for those, you know, I do the morning of, of the game. I uh, do the keys to, to victory on Twitter. So follow me there for that. The one thing I like about the Boise game is that it's on a Sunday. And so the Aztecs will get an extra day as opposed to playing Tuesday, Saturday, they play Tuesday, Sunday. So they get an extra day to prepare and mostly to travel, right? That's, that's the big one. They'll be able to take the day. They would have been playing the game. They'll be able to travel on that day. So that will be nice. And it's not going to hurt on the back end because after Boise, they have their second bye week, right? So after Boise, they don't play that next Tuesday or Wednesday. The following game is at home against UNLV the following Saturday. So the schedule is working out really nice. Three home games left, two road games left. The road games are against some of the better teams in the conference, Boise State and Nevada. So, you know, fingers crossed that the Aztecs will be able to, to win out in all of the games. Ken Palm puts them at 48.1% chance to remain unbeaten. And I believe that's through the regular season. It, you know, Ken Palm does add the conference tournament games, but not until they're like official. And I, I don't think that percentage will change once those games are added. I think it's just a regular season percentage. So it's almost a coin flip at this point, whether they, they go undefeated, at least according to Ken Palm. With that, I don't think I have anything else. Remember to send in those voice messages, right? Go on anchor.fm slash Aztec breakdown, send in those voice messages. It's been a while since I've gotten one. I really like them. Uh, find me on Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, the whole deal. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm kind of surprised that I have as many people listening as I do because I know I tend to ramble and that's even worse when I'm just here by myself just talking. Um, so thank you guys so much for, for everything. I'm at right about 750 followers on Twitter. I think, let me check 747. So right about 750. I started the season, I think below 400. So it's been awesome. Thank you guys for, for spreading everything. I have a couple guys who are just big time supporters. Like they, they at me and comments on other people's things a lot. Um, so thank you guys for that. And, uh, let's, Let's do whatever we can to help our guys finish undefeated. We don't really have any power, but it's nice to think we do. So whatever superstitions you guys have, keep doing them. I wear one of two shirts every game day, depending on if it's a work day or not. I have a, I have like a, like a red and black flannel shirt. There's probably a name for it, but I don't know what it is. But red and black flannel shirt I wear if it's a work day. And if it's not, I have a long sleeve black shirt that just says San Diego State on it that I wear if it's not. And that's, you know, my thing. Dutch has his lucky pennies and his, his laptop case strap, whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it. And, uh, yeah, that's it for this one, guys. I'll get out of here. I'll let you go. Thank you so much for listening. I will catch you guys next week.